Welcome to Black and White. I'm Abigail. I'm Alex. And let's talk out to field. So last week was just the introduction, but this week we will be talking about the guy who didn't like musicals, the first musical in the Hatchetfield series, which is ironic because it's about a guy who didn't like musicals. Next week we'll be talking about the main character of the guy who didn't like musicals, Paul Matthews. And we'll go more in depth of his character then, but for now we'll just talk about the musical as a whole and certain things about the storyline and lore that was revealed in it which we think is particularly interesting. So the events in The Guy Who Didn't Like Musicals were set in motion by the apotheosis. But what really was the apotheosis? The apotheosis was Pokey. He has the blue goo on his face, and the thing infecting Hatchetfield is the blue goo, causing everyone to sink. Pokey is also wearing a mask, similar to ones that might be worn in the theatre, as stated by one person on Reddit, so that could connect to why everyone is singing. There's also the theory that because it crashed into the Starlight Theatre, that is why everyone was singing, because Pokey was influenced by what he saw there. We also know that Pokey had to have the vessel, the Blue Goo, to control everyone and control the hive. Pokey himself seems very similar to his brother Wiggly, in the sense that he wants to take over the world, rather than messing with individuals like Blinky or Tinky. Wiggly is very open about he is the one causing all of this. We see him many times. We hear his voice many times, whereas Pokey, we don't see him. We don't hear him talk. So there's a little bit of a difference there. So actually, which thing do you think is correct about why they're singing? Do you think it's the fact that it's wearing a theater mask or the fact that they crashed to the Starlight Theater? I think the Starlight Theatre sounds um, about right. The theatre mask definitely does have something to do with it, I think. But I think that because it crashed into the Starlight Theatre, it's the reason everyone was singing. And that could also tie into the Five Senses, Five Lords and Black theory, where Pokey would be representative of hearing. ...of the musical, people get infected with the blue shit and by Pokey, but it's not actually very clear on when certain people get infected. We know that people get infected because of what they want. Um, Bill wants his daughter back, and that's how he gets infected. Ted wants to be saved, and that's how he gets infected. And I think that Alice got infected because she wanted her old life back. She wanted to still have that good relationship with Deb, and that when she got off the bus and got infected, that's it's because she wanted to have that um, her old life back. And that's how she got infected. So how did Emma get infected? Is it, well, we assume she gets infected, but I think that she gets infected because Paul, um, she wants a relationship with Paul. So when she sees that Paul is like, I'm, the guy you trust, like, it's fine. Just sing and give into it that she does because she wants a relationship with Paul. Paul also says in um, Let It Out, I've never been happy, wouldn't that be nice? So he did it because he wanted to feel something because he visibly had never truly felt a real emotion in a while. Right. I actually think that Paul was possibly 
a bit depressed, but we'll end up talking about that next time when we discuss Paul more in depth. Also, the big question is, who was the first person to get infected? And that then spread to everyone else. It was likely someone at the Starlight Theatre. My guess is one of the actors, followed by a wave of the people there, including Sam, Zoe. Zoe will have infected Nora, because I don't think Nora will have gone there. Right, because he says that, Sam says that he got them two tickets to Mamma Mia, which is at the Starlight Theatre. So that would make sense on how he was infected. I also think that Deb was possibly, like her infection possibly started when they went, as well as Alice. Yeah, that that is true. I think that the infections, that it can happen just not all at once and that it can be a slow thing. Because in Not Your Seed, Alice does have that moment where she, and maybe it was just to get Bill infected, but where she's like, why does it hurt to love you? And like, she has that like serious moment. And I think that might be because she wasn't fully infected. She was still capable of having feelings. Yeah, there was also that part in um, Let It Out Again, where Paul is singing. And he does not want to be singing. Yeah, he's awake enough to know, like, I don't want to sing. So that was gradual. And it's also key to point out that Higgins was probably gradual as well, because of the theory that I actually believe in that the blue shit was infecting him slowly as he was doing it, but he didn't truly get infected until they... um infected him and I think it infected him enough that he wanted to be infected and started singing show-stopping number he was also probably a slight bit infected when he did that based on how good the vocals were yeah because someone of that age is probably not able to maintain their voice as well as Hidgens was when he was doing the jumps right do we know how old Hitchens is supposed to be? Like 63 in the oh. guy who did like musicals around that age, I believe. Oh, I didn't know that. That might be completely wrong, but I think there are a lot of characters and all of them have intertwining relationships. And we want to talk about a couple of these relationships and the complexities in them. Though not all of them, because we don't really have the time to go through all of them. One of the obvious relationships is Paul and Emma, which we'll go further detail in in Forever and Always. But we know that it is the real Paul and Emma, and that they are actually falling in love with each other. So despite in Forever and Always, the real Emma saying she doesn't want a long-term relationship, she doesn't want to get married. But in this, we see her clearly fall for Paul. Yeah, so the Emma clone is clearly, or the Emma robot, because it's the Paul clone, but the Emma robot is clearly built to be just like her. And you can also tell real people, and also Emma talks about pot, and in Forever and Always, she, her real self does talk about how one of her moves is getting people high and seeing where things go. And you can tell it's the real Paul because he just wouldn't have had the time in that, um, the guy who did that musical's time span 
the clone to replace him because that happens three months into them dating. Another relationship is Paul and Bill. We see that they are really close in The Guy Who Didn't Like Musicals. Yeah, and all of the like subsequent following musicals like Black Friday and in some of the Nightmare Time episodes where they're stated to be best friends and we can see that they do truly care about each other because Paul does abandon everything and he would have maybe died going to help Bill save his daughter. We also see that Paul really cares about um, Bill and that even though he doesn't want to go see Mamma Mia, which you would think like, it's a musical. Sure, he doesn't like musicals, but you would think he would want to help Bill. But we see he really does care about Bill when he does abandon everything to help Bill get Alice back. It's just that he really hates musicals. And next time we'll probably talk a bit about why he hates them so much because it seems to really be something that takes over his entire life. There is also the relationship between Bill and Ted who have a lot of animosity as seen in the I'm going to kick your head scene. They really just don't like each other and for Ted he wants to have like power over Bill. He has something against Bill but for um, for Bill, Ted, he wants to overcome his kind of fear of Ted. He wants to be able to stand up um, to Ted, but he, you see, he really isn't able to with the whole kick your head part of it. It's also kind of pointed out that both of them seem to be quite similar in the terms that they don't really do well with love. Bill is unable to keep someone with him for a long time as seen with his wife cheating on him. And Ted um, has completely given up on long-term relationships after what happened with Jenny. I also think that Ted, in a way, might be um, a little bit jealous of Bill because while, yes, Bill's wife did cheat on him and he no longer has that relationship, he has a daughter and he has people who care about him, like, um, like Paul. And Ted, in a way, is jealous because all the people that he has ever, like, tried dating or tried really being friends with have turned his back on or turned their back on him. And he just is a little bit jealous that Bill has people who care about him. Especially since the only family, true family member that we hear that Ted has is his nerdy little brother, who is stated by Bill to probably be just as kind of perverted as Ted is, if a little toned down. And on the subject of stating by Bill, um, there's Alice, and we're going to go more in depth on their relationship in an individual episode that the two will have, but they seem to have a very different dynamic in The Guy Who Didn't Like Musicals to Watch A World, where they genuinely seem to have a decent relationship. I think that Alice wants to just have, like, she cares about Bill, but she wants to have her own freedom and not have him holding her back. And as Bill is like, no, come on, let's have a relationship. And as he's pushing for that, it ends up becoming the dynamic we see in Watcher World, where um, he's like, she feels like he's invading her privacy and it's very much he's at this point he's like no you're going to go to watch world and you're going to enjoy it 
because he's tried just doing other things and it hasn't worked out for him. Yeah, and on the same subject of talking about Alice and Bill's bad relationship, there's the reason, which is the relationship between Alice and Deb. And they actually have a pretty good relationship, as shown in The Guy Who Didn't Like Musicals, where Deb actively stands up for her and where they seem to love each other. But um, obviously in Watch Your World, Alice's trust for Deb doesn't seem to be as there. Maybe something happened in between The Guy Who Didn't Like Musicals and Watch Your World to cause uh Alice to not trust Deb maybe we never find out when Deb had uh had a crush on Ziggs so maybe it that happened in between the guy who didn't like musicals and watch a world causing Alice not to trust Deb mm-hmm. now um back backing away from the Woodwards and all that let's talk about the second romantic relationship which is Ted and Charlotte they don't really love each other, I think we can say. They're kind of using each other. Ted is using Charlotte because he just he's done with long-term relationships, but he still just wants to like have a bunch of small relationships and just mess, as he states in The Guy Who Didn't Like Musicals, he, what he loves to do is mess with other men's wives. And... Um, Charlotte is using Ted because she wants to have a good relationship with someone, but her husband, Sam... She wants closeness. Yeah, and her husband, Sam, just... she She's tried, and she hasn't had a good relationship with him, so she's using Ted as a way to get Sam back or to just have a new relationship with someone. Yeah, I feel like, honestly, Ted does care somewhat about Charlotte. I feel like she just thinks of him as an affair, and she does slightly feel bad for sleeping with him. But I think Ted, at one point, does genuinely care about her, based on the fact that he offers for her to leave her husband to be with him when he says that she could upgrade to a sleazeball. Yeah, Ted realizes that the relationship between her and Sam is not good and that he doesn't respect her. They just haven't had a good relationship and that she wants to have a relationship with someone. Mm -hmm. And whilst we're discussing Charlotte and Sam, they seem, Charlotte genuinely does love Sam, but it seems like Sam just doesn't really like Charlotte at all. Both of them are cheating on each other. But he just doesn't feel any shame. And um, I personally think that maybe he's using Charlotte as a way to possibly prove to his parents that he's dating someone or with someone of value. Because Charlotte, on the surface, seems like a good Christian woman. She seems like someone with morals. And his parents could possibly be disapproving of his lifestyle. And so he uses Charlotte to project what they think he should be. I also think he's completely fine as we see just going off, cheating on her and not feeling any remorse. But as soon as he needs something from her, like in um, You Tied Up My Heart, when we see him tied up and he's trying to convince Charlotte to untie him, he's like, please, I'll be better. I love you. And he's using her because he knows that it will work on her, and it does, and that as soon as that's done, he's just going to go off and cheat on her again. 
And okay, so we also wanted to maybe talk about the relationship between Ted and Professor Hitchens, because in every way that, that we've seen them react or like talk to each other, um, in the guy of the musicals, Hatterfield, Eight Man and Time Bastard, they seem to have a fairly good friendship, which is kind of weird seeing as how Hitchens literally tied him up in The Guy Who Didn't Like Musicals. So I think that in Hatterfield, Eight Man, Forever and Always and Time Bastard, uh, Ted was never tied up by Hitchens because The Guy Who Didn't Like Musicals, for those things to happen wouldn't have happened because they are alive and in the guy who didn't like musicals the world is dead but then that brings the question when did they meet did they meet in between the like if they met we know that they met during the guy who didn't like musicals and if everything was going on hadn't happened they wouldn't have met them so how did they meet to know each other in all of the nightmare time episodes that they know each Mm -hmm. other in We'll probably end up talking about this in their respective episodes because both of them are going to get an individual episode. But something that should probably be mentioned is that Ted enjoys musicals because he is a fan of musical theatre. He enjoys when Robert's cop character is breakdancing and he also very much enjoys working boys. So that's probably why he ended up working with him in Hatchetfield 8 Man because he had a genuine love for um, the musical that he was working on. So while we're talking about Higgins, there's also an aspect between Higgins and Alexa and Higgins and the Working Boys. So we will definitely go very in-depth on this and why he's so close to his Alexa in his individual Hatchetfield 8-Man character episode. However, I think the reason why Higgins is so connected to his Alexa ties a lot to the working boys because it seems like he's gone mad off something in his past and it's most likely something to do with the boys who he seemed to love as shown in Time Bastard back in college. I think the reason that him and Alexa are so close is because he is lonely and the Alexa is his way of having a friend and that the reason he wanted to be a part of the hive is because he was lonely and he knew like if I'm a part of the hive other people are there too and I'm part of something bigger and I think that was really appealing for him. Especially since he is so happy and surprised to see um, Greg and Stu in The End of Working Boys when he goes, Greg, is that you? Which leads me to believe that he was probably abandoned. Most of the characters will get individual episodes dedicated to them, but there are certain individuals that won't get a specific episode only talking about them so we want to dedicate a bit of time to them the first character we're going to talk about in today's episode is charlotte she is gullible she's a very gullible person and she seems to know that she's gullible but not do anything to stop it yeah she seems to know that she that trusting sam again isn't going to work despite what he says that 
um, just these little things in her life, it's not going to make any difference. And that she's going to just get hurt again. But she wants to believe that she's not going to be. She comes off as quite, like, ignorant and naive, honestly, where she believes that God can fix all of her problems as we see her running to pray and we see her saying that, oh, we should just go to a church because she's clearly a very devout Christian based off of the clues that are given to us in The Guy Who Didn't Like Musicals. I think that she knows that going to the church isn't going to help her in this situation, and but that she still thinks like, but that she still wants to because, like with Sam, she wants to trust that maybe if I do this, it'll be okay, but she knows that it won't. And yeah, and on the subject of Sam, I think that Sam has had a very complicated childhood where his parents constantly wanted him to be something that he himself was not they wanted him to be a good person and he just in general was um a bit of a scumbag as stated by ted and i do personally think that charlotte being a christian woman who on the surface seems to be a very nice person will have been sam's way of saying to his parents look, I've got my life together right now, I've got a good job and I've got this good wife, when really everything behind the surface is crumbling apart. Right, and that he really does, like we were saying earlier, he does use Charlotte when it's necessary to him. So, like, maybe when, if his parents are coming to visit or he has to prove to someone, like, I have my life together, he uses Charlotte. But then as soon as he doesn't need her, he throws her out again. It's um, one of the lyrics in Show Me Your Hands, actually, um, they talk about how he seems to talk badly about Charlotte to his co-workers, like Doug, because I think Robert's cop says the line, what the bitch wants, Sarge. So he probably does refer to Charlotte as a bitch when he's at work with his friends. Yeah, that's true. I think he just think Charlotte's just a burden but the reason he's keeping her around is to prove to his parents and prove to people that he needs to prove it to that he has his life together when secretly he's got all of these affairs and he doesn't have any shame about them whatsoever because he doesn't once have a beat of when he's talking to Zoe being like oh my my wife he just calls her like I'm going to be home late just gonna be home late and you're like but it's snuggle night and he says well let's just skip it because he just does not care about her yeah and she's like well we could do it tomorrow but he's like no it's time we have to stick to a schedule so let's just do it next month but I think both him and Charlotte know it's not going to happen I think for Charlotte it kind of makes her a tiny bit distraught that it's never going to happen but for him he's just like cool it's not going to happen I don't have to burden this woman who's making me go to relationship counseling. Yeah, I think he's like, I'm going to the counseling so that I can keep her as my wife. So that, like, it's not going to change who I am. But then she'll think that maybe I have a chance of changing and she'll stay my wife so that I can prove to the people around me that I have my life together. Because he seems to actually like Zoe based on the scene we saw where he seems to be, like, giving her, like, gifts and 
he's like he seems to care about her in a certain way where he does give her gifts rather than just using her for intercourse and stuff like that but But, zoe um, would probably be someone that his parents would not want him to be with or just that couldn't really help him when he needs help because she works in a coffee shop she's a theater major yeah and she's quite young she's a lot younger than sam visibly because emma says that she's about she's like 10 years younger than me and emma's around 30 31 so zoe will have been like hardly a legal adult yeah and sam would have been around the same age as charlotte so he's probably about 10 years older than her himself and then the final character is also played by jeff blim which we are going to go into more depth on in future episodes, but he's not going to get his own episode, is General McNamara. So in The Guy Who Didn't Like Musicals, McNamara, we don't really like him as much as we do in Black Friday. He kind of of comes across as, like, very arrogant and Egotistical. Yeah. And... We don't really... Paul does say he was a good man, and uh, I think Nick said um, that the reason he said that was because him and Matt already had, like, an infection for McNamara because they already knew the plot of Black Friday. But in The Guy Who Didn't Like Musicals, we don't really ever see him do good things. He honestly seems to think he's above most other humans based on the fact he follows a higher law than any company or establishment could give him. And he knows what the black and white is, but he seems to think, no, he knows he's a human and he knows he's not immune to the apotheosis and getting hurt because he understands that he is human, but he does think he's above most of the rest of humanity based on him just throwing Paul's phone, which he does without a second of hesitation. The ending is actually something that should probably be debated because at the end there's a fourth wall break where even Emma seems to acknowledge that the audience is there. So what is actually going on? Well, at the beginning of the play, we see them motion. They're it's like they're telling a story and we see the motion for Paul to come in, he doesn't. And then the rest of the events of the guy who didn't like musicals happen. So maybe the guy who didn't like musicals is just them reciting the tale, them telling the audience the tale, and they know that the audience is there. And after the audience watches the show, then they're infected. They're basically at the end when they're waving to the audience and dragging Emma off. They're basically saying, hey, welcome to the apotheosis. You just watched us do this. Now you've joined us. And... Emma getting dragged off while screaming. She is part of the apotheosis. She's all acting. Everyone is acting. And the question for that is, is Paul actually played by Paul? Or is the person playing Paul an actor? Because some of those lines in Inevitable, like, you have to sing to survive, I'm still the man you trust. And just a bunch of those lines are like him saying to Emma, like, I'm not actually infected. Him saying, I'm still the man you trust, could be perceived as him being like, come join the apotheosis. It's still me, it's still Paul. But then the fact you have to sing to survive line, they actually say something along those lines in the very first song, 
where they're just like this is the new life you have to sing now we'll go into more detail on the paul surviving theory in the next episode where we talk about paul Mm -hmm. because that's honestly something that should be talked about because the ending has actually got a big question mark because we know what happens we know that everyone in the world gets infected however we don't know what is going on with the whole who's infected and who's not situation it's kind of like how we don't really know what happens at the end of black friday so those are a few of our thoughts on the guy who didn't like musicals some of the characters will be going more in depth but that's just an overview of the basic musical thank you for coming to the black and white the lords in black thank you try not to nuke rush on your way out